dungeons, caves, sewers, and crypts. Oh my! Become a hero in Neverwinter. Welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. Today we'll be talking to the lead producer for the new Dungeons & Dragons MMORPG Neverwinter, Andy Velasquez. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. Today we have the honor of speaking with lead producer Andy Velasquez from Neverwinter, the Dungeons & Dragons free-to-play MMO. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hi guys, thank you for having me. We're delighted you're here. So why don't you give us a little bit of your background, some information about like your experience in your life as a gamer? Oh, geez, that, <laughs> that is super broad. My, uh, my experience of, <laughs> as a gamer, uh, it's, it's funny, I've been, um, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I, I remember I was at the age uh, when, when Ataris were out that, that I don't really remember too much, but I know that I had one, but then ever, uh, ever since like uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, um, you know, that it's just been a part of my life and it's something that that I've loved uh, to do. I went to university and, and tried to do, uh, you know, graduated and tried to do a, a quote unquote real job uh, for a while. And, and uh, you know, day in, day out, uh, as, as you will find when you enter the professional world, uh, it gets exhausting. And to do something that you don't love is, is a bit um, tiresome. And so I took a little break um, maybe five or six years ago and, and sort of decided what I wanted to do with myself. And, and I decided to, to get into gaming, or I at least thought, like, hey, let's try this gaming thing. That's what I do with all my free time anyways. Let's see if we can make this work. And, and thankfully, uh, I've been blessed to, to be able to succeed at it. And now I'm, I'm here talking with you guys about working on video games. So it's pretty sweet. That's pretty awesome. Though I love stories like that. So yeah. what were some of your favorite games then, that, or games that you've sort of gravitated toward or... Like oh jeez, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was a big um, RPG kid when I was coming up, right? Uh, uh, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy III were like you know all-time classics. Um, Parasite Eve on PS One, I loved. Uh, favorite game of all time, Final Fantasy Tactics on PSX as well. Um, so those were what I, I I did growing up, and then uh, I had two brothers, so obviously it was like Star Fox fighting each other and. Um, uh, Mario Kart, that sort of stuff. A little family PvP going on. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, and then it spilled out of digital because then I'd like smack my brother with the controller. <laughs> as you do. Yeah, it gets a little analog. I think yeah. I think Mario Kart is actually a really good way to figure out like what people are like at their worst. Yeah. <laughs> well, anytime someone in, in the later versions when they introduced the blue turtle shell, I found out that I was a total baby. And like <laughs> The, the blue turtle shell would come out and I just throw the controller. I was like, I quit. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you study in school originally? Uh, at university, I, uh, I got a degree in sociology with a uh, minor in Japanese. And I, uh, my career path, I, I went overseas and worked in Japan as a social worker um, for a while. And, and that's, you know, I had, I had spent a lot of time working with kids all throughout my, my sort of adolescent and, and young adult life and so that that's sort of the, the track I was going on. Wow that's that's quite a change to uh, to game design I would think. Well interestingly enough it, it's it's a lot more similar than you think. Um, in social work I basically had a, a home of six to eight kids at any given time that were abused or neglected and, and I acted as their father and, and helped organize their lives and uh, provide them structure so that they could succeed in school and, and, and be able to transition into adulthood well. Uh, 
and that's kind of the same thing as a producer. I mean, like we have we have like <laughs> crazy artists who have their different problems, and we have our engineers who are crazy too. Uh, and and somehow we have to provide structure and leadership and guidance to them so that we deliver a product that people enjoy and 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 does well. And so, um, you know, totally apples and oranges in some respects, but there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, dynamics and how people interact, I think, tend to, you know, tend to map between between groups a lot. There's a lot of, you know, group dynamics that you'd see no matter where you went when you threw a bunch of people in a room together. Yeah. What did you, were you originally thinking that you wanted to do, wanted to work in Japan or did that job just kind of fall on your lap? Sort of a combination of both. Uh, I did an internship uh, in Japan um, while I was still in university, and uh, it, it wasn't at the time my intent to pursue a career there. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it so much, and then they they valued me as as an intern enough that they said, uh, you know, if if I if I wanted to, if I finished my my degree in this and continued to go in this field, then they'd sponsor me to go out there and, and work with them. And so that sort of you know halfway through university, then it, it started shaping. in that respect. Wow, cool. Yeah, that is really cool. So did you continue gaming? You talked a lot about gaming as a kid and living at home. What is your gaming history at uh, the university level and after? Uh, Oh, man, so university, my, uh, you know, World of Warcraft came out when I was in university, so that ate my life for a while. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm married now, but, you know, in my first year... Uh, with my wife, we almost broke up because of, of World of Warcraft. In Vanilla WoW, um, I, I just got into this big raiding guild and I was so set on impressing them that I finally got in, into a, a Molten Core raid. And then, you know, she, she called me. She's like, I, I need your help. Can you come help? And I'm like, the, the, uh, literally the words I said to her were, but baby, I'm in a dungeon right now. I can't. <laughs> And, and for a non-gaming girlfriend who who doesn't necessarily understand that, um, not the best move, uh, young Andy. Uh, <laughs> we we now fondly look back on on that uh, and sort of laugh, which at the time it wasn't so great. Uh, so it was it was a lot of that. Uh, we played a lot of Counter Strike competitively with um, some of the dorms next to us, and uh, uh, and then my roommates. We would we would also play the console, uh, you know, Madden and, and all that other stuff competitively with each other. And what do you like to play today, besides Neverwinter? Besides Neverwinter, well, interestingly enough, Neverwinter. I'm surprised that you know, having worked and played the game every day for three years, that I still really enjoy playing Neverwinter. I think it's a testament to the product, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to be too salesman-y right now. Uh, but but that that is an honest answer. Like I, I go home and play Neverwinter, and, and that's the game. One of the games that I'm currently playing. Uh, I'm playing Sword and Sorcery on iPad right now, and it's blowing my mind. Uh, I just beat Journey on PS3. Uh, and then on my phone right now, I'm playing Mini Golf with Friends. Nice. Mini Golf with Friends? It, it's another async turn based uh-huh. game that's like putt putt golf, basically. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's I hadn't fun. heard of that one. Yeah, I didn't really need to hear about that one. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you challenge me. I'm the squez, so you can okay. do that. All right. I might, I might take you up on that. She I, loves the competition. Shh. <laughs> you do. You, I know. You're really good at that at the uh, games with friends. I am really. Yeah, I do get a little, um, a little tied up in <laughs> social competitive games. I will admit. <laughs> so now, how did you become a part of the Neverwinter group? Uh, so I was uh, hired at, at Cryptic Studios as something like employee number five or something like that. <laughs> On Star Trek Online, um, before that game 
had came out. So that was like five, six years ago. And I worked on Star Trek up to launch as one of uh, the leads there. Uh, I was responsible for their season one major update. Uh, and then when, when Neverwinter started picking up development, they needed a, a producer. Uh, and as, as much as I loved working on Star Trek and my experiences with them, uh, fantasy is more uh, what I sort of naturally gravitate to. Uh, and so I, I made a play to, to get over to Neverwinter. And so um, that's, that's what I've been doing. Cool. So what is your role as a, a producer? What, what are those responsibilities like? Uh, it, it totally varies from day to day. I mean, the, the, high, level, um, the high level description is, is, that we sort of use at our studio, because producers and project managers, depending on the studio, can mean completely different things. But uh, for us, it's, it's the, the, the role or the person who, who is in charge of organizing a team of, of variable size um, to deliver uh, whatever they need to on time, on budget, on scope. Um, and so, you know, on any given day, when I was uh, one of a more junior producer, I have my team of you know artists, designers, um, engineers, and, and we're working on a given feature. And so, my my lead producer, my lead designer, says we're doing feature X, Y, Z. Say say it's a class, right, for Neverwinter. We have to make the tricks to Rogue, and it needs to be done in six weeks so how are we going to get there what what play tests are we scheduling what um review cycles do we need what uh, by what day is what specifically going to get done etc uh now as the lead producer it's um that same same basic idea but on on a higher level so i have uh, my team of producers that manage then teams of artists and designers and and we're sort of mapping out um with a little bit longer of a view so in six months where do we want to be and how are we going to get there and why why are we taking that tack versus uh, another option? Uh, and then there's a lot of uh, coordination now that we're live as well with, with the publishing branch of things. So, um, you know, the website marketing and, and uh, monetization plans and all this other stuff that just sort of comes along with it. Wow. Isn't exactly what you said. You're a wrangler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's a, um, you, you end up wearing a lot of hats, which is, uh, for me, a, a particularly interesting part of this job. And, and that's where... Uh, it, it's sort of a, a deal breaker um, for, for other people who, who can't necessarily or who are more comfortable just I do this one thing and I do it very, very well, uh, which is totally valid. But uh, it's, it's not what this position necessarily demands. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like juggling a lot <laughs> and a lot of different uh, dynamics as well. Yeah. Yeah, the, the analogy that we all sort of jokingly use is. You know, the, those sort of circus performers that, that put plates and spin plates on sticks? Yeah. Uh, we have a million plates spinning on sticks. And we're <laughs> looking for whichever one is starting to get real wobbly. And then you go try to make that one not wobbly. Oh, I feel like that's what teaching is like most of the time. So <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah, both of you definitely would be better at that than me. I I. I want one really great plate <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly designed, that, that yep. looks really cool while it's spinning and yes. yeah. is beautifully polished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, what, so you already talked about uh, Neverwinter being a game that, you know, you go home and play at night, which, which I think is fantastic. So what can you tell us about Neverwinter? Uh, yeah, so Neverwinter is uh, action combat MMORPG uh, set in the Forgotten Realms uh, setting so you know one of the premier fantasy IPs in the West at least mm. this is where um, you know Driz Doerden and uh, Wolfgar Kadibri all them that if these are like the R.A. Salvatore characters that how, now have something like I don't know a million and a half books written about them right this is the same place also that uh, 
you know, classic games like obviously Neverwinter Nights, but Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale. Um, there's tons of board games about Luskin, uh, you know, all this stuff. That that is directly the the setting that we get to play around with, and 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 we so we made a really really awesome MMO that we like playing, uh, and and sort of our our marquee um, bullet point back of the box feature for us is our action combat. We it's sort of seeing a trend in MMOs recently going more towards this, uh, but in in our humble opinions, we feel like we've done it uh, sort of the best. It's the most enjoyable system that I've at least personally played. Yeah. Ron and I both played it um, a little bit. I think we both got characters to right around level 10 yeah. um, in one of the first press betas that they yeah. had. And I loved that. And I've played World of Warcraft and Dungeons and Dragons online and, um, uh, you know, a few other MMOs. And I really appreciated how quickly the controls were to learn to use yeah. and to switch between. I thought that that added a lot of easy, dynamic play. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, my Warlock in World of Warcraft, yeah. where I had like 500 spells at my, you know, beck and call and didn't know always which was the best to do and all those different kinds of things. So I really liked the sort of immediacy of play. Yeah, no, that, that was actually a, a very conscious decision from us. I mean, if, if I look back uh, sort of in my, in my memories about what the game used to be, I mean, we had a, a more traditional uh, MMO HUD at the time. There was power bars on power bars on power bars and, and they were totally, you would move them around and um, when we decided to go this action combat route um, for it, it took us a long time to sort of limit the power bars to what it was uh, but we found that that with the, the combat scheme that we were creating, people even if they had those options available to them it didn't, they, they couldn't hold those sort of options readily available to them in their minds when, when things got really serious, right? Uh, yeah. And so even though they had those options for them, it the only purpose it was serving was to overwhelm them with choice. Uh, and so we, we went to sort of this um, card deck, uh, like you sort of a playing hand approach with the powers and immediately saw people just enjoying the, the combat experience a lot more. And, and so I think it was a one of the things that I think we're most proud about hearing things like what you guys just said, because it, it certainly, uh, a lot of people don't aren't able to point pinpoint it with their, their words, but but we know from experience that that's, those sort of changes really affected that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rhonda had never played any kind of PC MMO, so it was all brand new for her, Yeah, that interface. Yeah. so Yeah, and it, I, I really noticed that almost immediately is one of the things I told Regina that I was surprised by because I'm, I'm new to playing on Steam. We used to play all of our computer games, all our games on the computer, and then we got a PlayStation and been playing there for ages and picked Steam back up. And I just struggle with it. But yeah. I was surprised. That's the reason why I said something to Regina. It's like, you know, it's pretty pretty easy to just fall right into moving around on the keyboard. So that's a testament to, to know that that was a conscious decision. I love hearing that. Yeah, me too. Well, it's interesting. And, and man, this is going to be the most pretentious thing I say today. But, like, <laughs> um, you know, they have the adage about Othello, right? Like, easy to, what is it? Easy to play, the lifetime to master, or yes. what, yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Like that mm -hmm. was certainly not not something so grandiose as that, but that, that 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 similar thought was put into that, right? Like accessibility, having having anyone be able to sit down and play and and at least understand how the game works is really important. And yeah. then you know leveling up, and you have a whole bunch more powers, and you can really create these combinations that are really really cool uh, is important too, so that there's complexity and depth there, but. 
being able to have just anyone sit down and play your game was something that we also felt was really, really important. Very smart. Yeah, absolutely. Because you reach you reach so many more people that way yeah. than sort of an exclusive approach where you're like, no, you have to be able to learn all these stats and yeah. you know work a spreadsheet. Well, it's actually really funny. So one of the, the most sort of satisfying things we had right after OBT launch is someone posted on YouTube a video of their two-year-old kid playing Neverwinter. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. And... and, and if you were just looking at the screen, it looks like they're playing, right? Like he puts the reticle over them, he just clicks a bunch and they kill something. And then, you know, the dad's like, okay, go over there, get that guy. And, and he goes and does it, right? It's, it's, it's insane. So we were very happy about that. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'll, have to, I'll have to test that out and see if I have a, I guess, four-year-old nephew now who is like the master with the Xbox. He can, I, I can't do console controllers. Like mm. I just have stupid thumbs. Like I don't yeah. I can't make it work. I try to play shooters, and all I end up doing is looking at the ceiling the entire time. <laughs> but I watch my nephew, who's four, who's mastered those controls. It'd be interesting to see if I could put him on the computer and see what he could do with Neverwinter. I might have to run my own my own little test subject. <laughs> well, Andy, you mentioned um, you started off. You were you enjoyed RPG games. Did you play tabletop games? Uh, so unfortunately, man, it's it's like my biggest regret, or maybe not regret. Um, none of my friends were nerds really um and so i could never get enough people to, to share sort of my interests and and I, I played a lot of sports growing up right so in addition to video games i was uh, an athlete and so all my friends are, are my soccer teammates and my you know and these sorts of guys so all of our time when i was with them was spent running and jumping and playing and doing this other stuff and then i'd be like oh what about this cool board game <laughs> and like, ah, we're just gonna hit each other with sticks we're like well that sounds fun too <laughs> And so it wasn't until later in my life that I sort of found people to play board games with. And then, you yeah. know, and then I totally geeked out for a while and, and uh, played a bunch. And now I'm back to a more, I guess, healthy distribution of my free time. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I bought like a red box for D&D when mm. I was maybe 10 or 11. Mm. And I could not figure out what the DM was. Because yeah. I didn't understand you were supposed to play with other people, so I was yeah. trying to do it on my own, and it got very, very confused and then very dusty. <laughs> so I mean, I, I guess here's here is my one sort of tabletop gaming experience that I vividly remember from from when I was a kid. I got a, a starter deck for Magic, uh, Magic the Gathering, mm -hmm. and I sat and read um, sort of the the informational pack pamphlet that comes with it and like how you're supposed to play. And, and the beginning, the forward had a RP take on what was happening, you know, like the, the summoner who was the player mm -hmm. casts a spell and conjures this minotaur and it was running at this, um, I think it was a wall of flame or, or was, was the example. And, and I still, to my day, vividly remember reading that and going, this is going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> um, and I was sitting, I was like doing the kid thing where you have everything splayed out in front of you and you're lying belly down on the ground reading things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I played Magic the Gathering against myself, which is really not very fun. Because uh, <laughs> I had no friends that wanted to do it with me, and so that was a bummer. Oh. Well, you've got a community now. Oh, yeah, but now now it's like... <laughs> now, now I get in trouble because I, I play Magic after work too much, and, and you know... Well, now, does your wife game now? So interestingly enough, we she used to, uh, and that was sort of one of the things that really drew us together. But she she hasn't anymore, and and constantly on the prowl for games that she likes. 
uh, and we're like, hey, hey, what about this one? Hey, what about this one? <laughs> uh, the, the thing I had most success with recently was, um, oh, it's the board game about trains. Ticket to uh, Ride. Ticket to Ride, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. She seemed to really dig that one. And so we'll play cool. that one a couple times. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a really good um, introductory strategy game. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and we tried settlers and she, she was just like, I don't like this ship. I don't know what to do with these sheep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we played, actually, there's a really, really good board game. Um, if you guys haven't played it, Long Shot, it's, it's quite mm. good. Uh, mm. And she's, that's a great introductory game as well. And she, she's enjoyed that one. Oh, cool. I'm surprised. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, me neither. I'm surprised as well, but cool. Because it isn't overtly nerdy. It's like there's no fantasy. There's no guy with a sword on it, <laughs> which makes me like it a little bit less. But if it gets her playing, then I'm a fan. <laughs> well, sometimes you have to try. <laughs> so do you lean toward, I mean, if you've, if you've got the choice, do you lean toward games that have more of a story and that have more of an opportunity for you to create and build a character? Uh, I, I don't know if I... I lean too strongly one way or the other. I think one of the things that is, is vital for a game designer uh, is, is sort of sampling from everything, right? So the, if I look back over the last year in terms of the games that I played a lot, uh, you know, Neverwinter being one of them, which is completely, uh, you know, make your character live in this world sort of experience. Uh, and I played a ton of League of Legends, which is you're just picking an archetype and playing. Um, you know, the, there isn't one that I prefer more than the other. There are different experiences that I value equally for different reasons. I like that. I, I think that's, yeah, I'm going to have to ponder that a little bit. I like the idea of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked a lot about the gaming so far. What uh, We can go ahead and ask him, how, how would you define a gamer? How would I define a gamer? Specifically within the context of video games or just like, I guess, any games, because you guys are talking about board games as well. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever parameters you'd like. Anyone, anyone who enjoys... Oh, man, that's such a tough question. <laughs> You're not the first person to say that, and you probably won't be the last. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly that's one of those questions where there's, there's no right answer, and it's just mm-hmm. interesting to see what people's interpretations are. I mean, for me, looking back at, at who I would consider gamers, um, the, the sort of common theme is those who, who choose of their own free will to pursue tabletop, digital gaming, whatever it is, as as uh, one of their their favorite pastimes. Yeah, so a priority, or or it's it's a key component to how they spend their time or choose to spend their time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did I so win? Kind- did I get it right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very similar to some of the other the other answers that we've heard, but everybody always has a different spin on it. It's interesting. Sure. It's sure. interesting to see. And uh, some people want it to be exclusively, you know, I think one of the part that was the very first question I asked everyone when I did my when I wrote my dissertation and I did the interviews. So we, we warm people up to it now. So <laughs> yeah. It's not the first thing we ask anymore. Exactly. So we give you a little bit more time to kind of catch up with it. But one of the people in the study had said, you know, they need to be dedicated to one particular game or series. And, you know, and it, so everybody's got a different spin. Yeah. Interesting enough, I guess, uh, to, to divert on that topic a little bit, I personally uh, detest that standpoint. I, I so angrily disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um the, the thing that, that you'll see a lot in the industry, or maybe not a lot, but uh, is, is the sort of elitist view of what 
what it means to be a gamer yep. uh, and they sort of like protect it and, and say like, no, you're not a gamer because of this, right? right. And that, oh my God, it, yeah. drives, it drives me crazy. That doesn't make me happy either because I, I, I want it to be an inclusive term. I want it to be something yeah. that lots of people can, you know, but some people will say, you know, oh, if you only play mobile games or if you only play tabletop games, if you don't play this kind of game or you don't do this or you know, even, oh, if you're not a LARPer, you know, it depends on people's yeah. perspectives. But if you don't play like I play is the general gist of that, then yeah. you're not really a gamer. But I think it's just if it's something you enjoy, you know, if you're and, and people who there are a lot of people who play mobile games who play, you know, like um, putt putt golf with friends or what, whatever it is that they play don't want to call themselves gamers. They think, oh, that's not me. But they play that every day, like, you know, multiple times a day they go and check it. And, you know, before they go to bed at night, they've got to play their words with friends or, you know, whatever else it is that they play. Those are gamers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, because because particularly with like mobile becoming the, the behemoth that it is. That, that people don't count that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just had two of the most epic experiences in my entire gaming career on a $5 iPad game, right? And I was completely blown away. That's awesome. Uh, and, and, and to have, to out of hand discount that because of the delivery mechanism or, or for whatever reason, like, uh, it, it seems like a waste. Yeah, I agree. I, I it's it's sort of you know like you said this elitist idea or we need to save this title for for certain people who play certain ways. I think that that's just very short sighted. Well, what kind of characters have you got created right now on Neverwinter? Uh, so the one that I play on live, not as a dev, uh, is a, a tiefling devoted cleric. Cool. I started a cleric. Yeah, I. I, I it's so funny because in in, um, in other competitive games, I'm I'm pretty alpha dude. Like let's let's kill some stuff. Let's do like I play like in League of Legends. If you guys are familiar with the sort of roles, I always play either the AP or the AD carry, which is like not the support role. It's not the tank role. It's like the I'm gonna kill everything role. Right? <laughs> um, and then in in MMOs, for whatever reason. I play healers and supporters, support characters. Hmm. So, oh, uh, very for for Neverwinter, I I played the devoted cleric. It's, it's I love it, man. It's the best class. And what do you like about it? Uh, I a bit um, sort of self-servingly, I, I had a lot to do because I knew this was going to be my class. Like I, I gave a lot of input to our design team. Uh, <laughs> and, and not trying to take any credit. Those guys are amazing. They did they did a fantastic job making the class, but. Uh, I was in their in their office constantly, like, yeah. Well, when I'm playing these sorts of classes, these are the things that I sort of like doing, and and it it's a lot to my taste. <laughs> um, but being that sort of uh, when people are freaking out because uh, they're gonna die, and then they don't at the last minute because I came through with a clutch heal. Uh, that's that's sort of really um, rewarding for me. Yeah, we've talked about healers on this um, on this show before, and how underrated and mm. kind of offhandedly people dismiss the healer role yeah. and how complicated it is. Yeah. Well, that's actually one of the things that um, I, I love because I've been in many, uh, I actually consider myself quite a good gamer. I mean, I've been playing my entire life. I'm, I'm on the the good side of the line in terms of player skill. Uh, and I've been in, in uh, many occasions where I, I get the, this little, um, you know, PM after a dungeon run or something in, in either Neverwinter or a different game. Like, wow. So that's what it's like playing with, a real healer or like, Oh, I get it now, mm. you know? Um, and that's sort of, you know, talking about gaming pride, like what the things that I hold my hat on when it comes to gaming, I, I enjoy that very much. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I, I found in the study that I did that a lot of women played healers um, and, and 
there was, at least in the academy, the, this overarching idea that women played healers in MMOs because they wanted to take care of everybody, you know, like, you know, mapping those sort of gender roles onto the game. But not one woman who healed who I talked to said that they wanted to take care of anybody. They all said it took significantly more skill to heal. And after having stuck my toe into healing and WoW, you know, running a few random dungeons, I would definitely say it de- it takes a lot more skill <laughs> to well, heal. <laughs> yeah, I had a, um, so in vanilla WoW, I had a level 60 rogue and I had a level 60 restoration shaman. And when it came to raid time, I would prefer my healing shaman because I had more to do. And it was right. more critical position rather than, well, I'm going to stand behind this thing and attack it a bunch. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm just going to stand here and button mash this until everything is dead, which is yeah. essentially and, what DPS does. Yeah, uh, and, and I, I like DPS. Again, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I do whatever. But uh, yeah, it, that is an interesting... I, I hadn't ever heard that, but certainly I can imagine um, that that being the, the perception that women were healers. That, that has never been something that I, I understood to be true uh, or as a general sort of perceived idea of what it was. Uh, but certainly that's not that's not how... I'm, I'm Like I said before, like I'm pretty alpha sports dude that like, <laughs> randomly just plays a healer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you've mentioned um, having built characters in WoW and in Neverwinter. So when that first screen goes up and you're picking what your character's class is, what their uh, abilities are going to be, their background, and you're building the look of the character, how do you go about that process? What are your, what are your choices based on? Uh, so slightly boring. I have uh, in every MMO or RPG that I can make a character, it's usually a, it's the same thing. It's, it's a, a female of whatever race I think is the coolest that has um, uh, sort of pale-ish skin and red hair and green eyes because it's this character that I identify with for whatever reason. I, you know, I've, I've hobby game design games around her. I've, I've hmm. um, sort of dipped my hand in, in hobby novel writing or short story writing of stories about this character. So that's sort of the, the main that I always make. And then some of the alts are the other characters in those, uh, sort of like her supporting cast. So. Uh, right now, um, in Neverwinter, my healer is is sort of that main character that I always come back to is um, one of her buddies in, in the story that I wrote. So that it's always sort of that that process. So is that that red-haired, pale-skinned, green-eyed avatar? It, is that your DPS character usually? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily specific to each okay. class. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this time uh, I found actually in in maybe the last six months. My preference has been going to this other version, which is the mm. uh, to this other character who, whose name is Ashai, who uh, you know is is uh, not not as pale skin, but has has like black hair and, and red eyes and whatever whatever the combination of, of attributes is. Mm-hmm. But it's this other character. So over the last six months, I've gone away from uh, the first character and and now have been uh, more often making this one. I'm getting a little bit of role player with the. Um since you have sort of stories and names and characters that you create and recreate, I'm seeing some role player in this. But I'm curious if there's some self-gamer involved here because you said you identify with this character. Uh, yeah, I don't think um, sort of identify is, is maybe a portrait of words there. It's not like I, I imbue my personality onto this person. That, that mm-hmm. character for me has a very distinct uh, sort of attitude and personality mm-hmm. with it. 
but nor do I also then act out in that personality. Mm-hmm. It's so like, for example, Ashai, who is the character that I've made right now, very sort of crude and 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 blunt and and crass and 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 sort of this fiery personality, and that's why I picked the tiefling, uh, and you know that's the the red eyes and all this other stuff, right? Uh, but it's not. Uh, but I'm sort of my normal jolly, happy-go-lucky person when I'm playing that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something about the aesthetic, I I I, I enjoy always making these two people. Hmm. What do you think, Rhonda? I, I, it, I think it's interesting. I have a feeling that he's probably um, secondary, oh. maybe mastery. Yeah, yeah. Or a little bit of all three, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's probably one of the more even ones, but mm-hmm. the, the role play might come out first. Some of the, the results from Regina's dissertation, she was able to see a pattern in the way that different people approached uh, character building in games. And it's sort of a... a sort of a personality thing, but it, it kind of comes under a different guise whenever you're projecting inside of a fantastic world. And it's always very interesting. We've got a short quiz on the, on the blog. If anybody's ever interested, you can go out there and take the uh, gamer type quiz and see where you fall. Hmm. Yeah. And one, one of the, one of the definers of when I was looking at the transcripts I had from the interviews, one of the defining things was how people talked about their avatars. So self gamers tend to say, I do this and I do that. And I, this, I have this in game and I have this mount, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, role players would say um, my character or she or he, they would speak of their characters in third person. Mm. And then mastery players, it didn't matter. Like they would switch back and forth because there wasn't a lot of identity with the characters. So that was one of the reasons why I was a little like, well, there sounds like there's a little self here, but I'm because mm. you spoke mostly of your characters in third person. So that was the reason why I was sort of coming up with uh, role playing. Well, so. as far as game design concerned, what what is your view approaching Neverwinter and some of the other games you've been on? We've had a discussion here about whether or not permadeath in game is something that is vital, something that's missing from gaming or whether or not that it's um, putting it in game makes the game more realistic or not. Do you think it's an essential element of gaming? Uh, absolutely not. Because um, I, I don't think there, there are no sort of holistic uh, sort of descriptors that can be applied to gaming because gaming can be so many different things, right? I mean, uh, I think what is important when you're setting out to make a game, just like doing a science project or writing a, a, an essay, you have a thesis, right? Like, what, what is this game supposed to be? If this game is supposed to be a casual, lighthearted, fun thing that five-year-olds can do, permadeath has nothing to do. Like, there's no place for that there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to say say that it's required for gaming, like, absolutely not. It, it, gaming is too big of a too broad of a subject to to have a something, anything be so broadly applied to it. Now, that was kind of my reaction. This is based off of an an article that um, Regina and I read. I mean, it's been a few weeks ago now. Yeah. A developer who is saying that games are never going to be um, truly realistic and appropriate until permadeath is involved. Right. And I'm like you. I think that is it's too broad of a statement to apply to absolutely every single game. Yeah. I mean, and and certainly, uh, if you're if you're in the context that that developer is like whatever lenses he's talking about, the type of games that he wants to make to be realistic and true and all this other stuff, then absolutely then permadeath might be appropriate yeah. for what you're making, right? But like 
that that concept doesn't even make sense for whole genres of game. What does permanent death mean in mini golf for friends? <laughs> right. yeah, that's, what, what does that mean? That you can't you can't do that. Well, when you guys are looking at developing games, do, is there ever a conversation about the differences or the audience uh, demographics between a casual or a hardcore gamer? Are those types of terms ever used? Uh, yeah, but. Uh, absolutely, we use those a lot, but those aren't the only two categories that we use. You know, we, we use uh, sort of like, what is your gamer archetype? Are you are you like a collector type player? Are you an explorer? Are you casual? Are you hardcore? And and we try to build our game with enough systems that satisfy all of those different type of people mm-hmm. so that we can capture as, as wide an audience as possible. So then how, in your context, how do you guys define casual and hardcore? Who's that audience? Uh, so like hardcore hardcore people that, that log on every day and play for hours at a time, right? So we need to make sure that their gaming experience, uh, they have something to do for that, that length of time. So they'll come in and you know check their mail, talk with their guildies, then run a couple quests, then do a dungeon, then do a skirmish. And there's always sort of things for them to do to continue on their path, right? In terms of the casual user, uh, this is the guy who's either logging on once or twice a week and maybe only for an hour at a time. And so we want to make sure that for there, there's something interesting and and uh, accomplished that they can get done hmm. in that span of time. So logging on, uh, collecting your your profession tasks, which are sort of a time-based mechanic that we have in our game, and then doing maybe a quest and and making sure that that is presented to them as clearly like this is the thing that you should do right now. Go to do it, and then you'll feel good about yourself. You finished it, and now you can log off and go to bed or whatever it is. Right? <laughs> um, and then um, you know, and then for the other the other sort of groups of players that we look at for the collector you know making sure that there's enough random things out in the world that they can go collect and and making sure that they 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 have their little checkpoints and gates along the way to make them feel like they're progressing and you know for for the sort of min maxer that we have all those sort of stats and and little tweaky things that they can get in and and make exactly the way that they want them to be Um, that's really it really cool because there are so many times that I want to get involved in a game, but I feel like I can't invest the kind of time it takes to enjoy it. Yeah. And it's very interesting to hear that you guys have actually thought about that. Yeah, well, it's um, the, the sort of outdated definition of core gamers. Like being an MMO, we, we want to service more than that, right? We're massively multiplayer online. We need as right. we need and want as many people playing as possible. Right. Uh, and if I look at my playing trends, you know, where, where I used to be a hardcore, what would previously be called a high, hardcore gamer, I, I, I can't match that pace anymore. Like I go home and eat dinner and I'm tired. I play for an hour and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm about done now. And so we had to... We absolutely wanted to make sure that that I can still have a meaningful play experience in Neverwinter if that's the amount of time that I had to dedicate to it. Well, I, I think that your approach, and as you know, Ron and I both said, the the ability gamers have to quickly pick up Neverwinter is a, is a real strength for that to be able to reach you know many different types of gamers because when it when when you're faced with a game that you know constantly presents problems for you to engage with it there's tons of other games to play (laughs) it's so easy just to put something down and be like ah whatever i don't need to play that anymore um so so i think that that's a real strength and i think you guys did a really good job at sort of getting getting to that and in what you have in neverwinter well appreciate it that certainly was one of our goals yeah yeah that's great well we really appreciate having you on the show absolutely Yeah, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. We'll have all the information on the website about how you can look up Neverwinter and check out Cryptic Game Studios and find out all the great stuff that we've been talking about today about the uh, MMO Neverwinter.
You've been listening to Game On Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at Row Room. That's R-H-O, R-H-O-O-M. You can also read my tech blog at droolonthefrog.com or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs as I'm known on Twitter and Steam. Many, many thanks to Andy from Neverwinter for joining us on the show today. It's such a fantastic conversation, great interview, excellent energy. Please make sure to go out and check out Neverwinter. Rhonda and I can both attest that it is really a lot of fun to play. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher Streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons Attribution License. Thanks for listening, and until next time, game on! Game on!